Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. The Old Testament book of Jeremiah and Jeremiah in chapter number 51. The book of Jeremiah and chapter number 51. We're in a very special message just to see more about what the Bible has to say concerning prophecy. Now, we are in a series currently, but this message is outside of that series. Just a special gee whiz question, because it's something that is asked quite often. Is America found in prophecy? And so if you don't mind, let's explore together, starting in the book of Jeremiah in chapter number 51. The book of Jeremiah chapter 51, and notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 8. Jeremiah 51 and in verse number eight, the Bible says this, Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed. How for her? Take balm for her pain. If so, she may be healed. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that is found in the book of Jeremiah chapter 51? In fact, two words to put together our title for tonight, Babylon destroyed. Babylon destroyed. And with the Lord's help, we want to tackle this prophecy here, speaking about Babylon destroyed. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you for the great privilege it is to be here, to be in this country that you've given to us. And we're asking for special discernment. We're asking for now our hearts to be prepared, our minds to be ready, and that you would put our minds and hearts on you, that you could show us yourself high, holy, and lifted up, and that we could respond to you based off of your word. Help us to get great discernment and great understanding about this subject and our role in what you've given us to do. Fill me with your spirit even now to guide and direct my mind to get our hearts and our attention even here now, that you would get victories in people's lives that people may not even realize right now that they need victories in. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Babylon destroyed. If you don't mind, let's start off with this idea of Babylon in the Bible. Let's kind of see a little bit more about this subject. A question any prophecy preacher often gets is America found in the Bible? By the way, it's a good question. People have a curiosity about end time events and we live in America. So is our country, is where we live, is it found in the Bible anywhere, any way? Well, we know that there is no place that the Bible says America. The Bible doesn't have any place where it says USA or anything like that. However, in Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51, the Bible describes the destruction of a place called Babylon. To properly identify any prophecy, there are a couple principles that we need to have in mind to make sure that we get the correct interpretation. We know that often prophecies in the Bible have a dual fulfillment. What does that mean? Well, there's an immediate partial fulfillment, and then there's a further more complete fulfillment. So a lot of prophecies have a dual fulfillment, a dual prophecy, something that's fulfilled in the immediate, something that will be quickly, something that can be proven. Then they're going to be a more complete fulfillment in the future. Historically, ancient Babylon was destroyed by the Persian Empire in 536 B.C., this would be the immediate fulfillment, which is now our history, that we can look back and see Babylon was indeed destroyed. It's in our history books. We can look at it. It's recorded down in 550, <laughs> um, 556 BC. 
Another principle sometimes God uses, he uses a name to describe a place. For example, in Revelation 11, it says <coughs> that their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now class, where was our Lord crucified at? Jerusalem. So is Jerusalem the same as Sodom? No. Is Jerusalem the same as Egypt? No. But we could see that in here, this is being used as a descriptive term. We know that Sodom was, uh, <coughs> was a place of sexual immorality. Here, God is referring to Jerusalem as a place of sexual immorality. Egypt in the Bible is always a picture of the world. So in this case, God is painting a picture that Jerusalem is not where it should be. It is just like the world. It is full of sexual immorality. It had issues. So again, he's using a term to describe a place by using the name of a different place. We understand this is done in the Bible. So let's describe Babylon, knowing that there was an immediate fulfillment of Babylon being destroyed in 536 BC, but we could see that this prophecy also covers something that's in the distance. We also understand the principle that there is a time that God uses the name of a place to describe a different place. So let's see from Jeremiah 50 and 51 the description of whatever this place is called Babylon. Notice with me in Jeremiah 50 in verse 12. Jeremiah 50 in verse 12. Now for those of you who like this type of things, I would encourage you to take your Bible and to mark these passages for yourself so that way you could have a record for it if you ever try to describe and repeat this information for yourself. Jeremiah 50 in verse 12, it says that your mother shall be sore confounded. She that bear you shall be ashamed. Behold, the hindermost of the nation shall be a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert. Notice as it describes this nation that was called Babylon here, it set, starts off by saying, your mother, your mother. The idea of a mother country is that one country had another country that started that country. You were able to follow that? That the idea of a mother country is that there was a country that started another country. Well, England was the mother country to America. If you remember your school days where you studied American history and the talk about the colonies of the 13 colonies, those colonies had the mother country of England. It helps set up our precedents, our values, our idea. They financed and supplied for those colonies. England was the mother country. So whatever this is, as we try to keep track of the description of whatever country this may be, it says that it has a mother country. Let's see what else we find. Back in that same verse, your mother shall be sore confounded. She that bear you shall be ashamed. Behold, the hindermost of the nations shall be a wilderness, a dry, a dry land, and a desert. Notice this phrase, the hindermost of the nations. This term carries the idea that it is a nation that was one of the last to come on scene. So it wasn't an old world country. It was a new world country. We understand that the Western Hemisphere was something that was discovered later in history. Right? You talked about Christopher Columbus. You talked about America Vespucci. You talked about all of those other explorers that came. So in this, Europe would be considered an old world country. And that the Americas would be called a new world country, one of the last countries to come upon the scene. It would be part of the new world. So again, whatever this country is, it had a mother country. Whatever this country is, it also was a hindermost of the nations. It wasn't an old world country. It was a new world country. Well, let's see what else is described here. In Jeremiah 50 and verse 16, it says, Cut off the sower from Babylon, and him that handleth the sickle the time of harvest, for the fear of the oppressing sword, and they shall turn every one to his people, and they shall flee every one 
to his own land. Now this is pretty interesting that whatever country this is, it has a group of people that were not originally from this country that if they were to have to go back, they would go back to a land of their ancestry. Notice that this concept is repeated in Jeremiah 50 and verse 37. Jeremiah 50 and verse 37. A sword has come upon their horses and upon their chariots and upon all the mingled people that are in the midst of her. They shall become as women a sword upon our treasures and they shall be robbed. Notice this idea of the mingled people. So whatever this country is, it has a bunch of different people not originally from that country that are mingled together in that country. Notice as this concept is also repeated in Jeremiah 51. Jeremiah 51, and notice with me in verse number 9. Jeremiah 51 and verse 9, We would have heeded, healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her, and let us go everyone into his own country. For her judgment reacheth unto heaven and is lifted up to the sky. Notice again this concept that this is a group of people that live in this country that their ancestry is not originally from this country. So the people in that country did not originate in that country. For example, in this church here, we would say, how many of you have an ancestry from this country. Now we know that we have some Native Americans here, but even we could trace that the Native Americans had originally come from somewhere else and traveled to here many, many years ago. And so whatever this country is, it is a mixture of people that live in that country that don't originally originate here. The people in America are immigrants from other nations. For example, I am part Irish and I'm part German. Those would be my ancestries. Uh, you know, many of you may have other ancestries as well, that there is no such thing as a, an original American. We have people that may be Native Americans, but even in a crowd, that is very few in a mixed crowd. So whatever this country is, it has a mother country. It is one of the hinder most of the nations. It's a uh, new world country rather than an old world country. It is has people that are not from that country. In addition, notice in Jeremiah 50 and verse 26. Jeremiah 50 and verse 26. Notice this description here. It says in Jeremiah 50 and verse 26, come against her from the utmost border. Open up her storehouses, cast his heap, and destroy her utterly. Let nothing be left. So here it gives a description of having the utmost most border. Now this is a very interesting phrase here, utmost border. The idea of the utmost border gives a deeper definition of a piece of property that is a part of that nation but is not attached to that nation. So that's kind of strange. The idea of this utmost border is a type of term that gives an idea that it's a piece of property or that it has a piece of property that's a part of that nation but it's not attached to that nation. Well, those of you who might be familiar, we do have a chunk of property that's a part of our nation that's not directly attached. We have a big country in between Alaska and the continental United States. Something also interesting about this piece of property is it says, open up her storehouse. So this utmost border to open up her storehouse. This is a term that carries the idea that this chunk of property is a big source of wealth. Well, we have something called the Alaska Pipeline. And in the, because they had so much oil in Alaska, they pay the residents about $1,600 a year to live there. Whereas the rest of us have to pay taxes they get paid to live there. I know, let's just, let's all move up there. But uh, they have so much oil and wealth that they actually pay the residents. They have part to give back. That's pretty amazing. So whatever this country is, it has a mother country. It, it was founded by a different country. It was a hindermost of the nations. It's not an old world country. It's a new world country. That the people that live in that country did not originate from that country. They were mixed country. They have an ancestry somewhere else. That it has a property that's separate from that country with wealth. Now, we don't know what country this is, but... The descriptions here kind of make us scratch our head a little bit. 
but it is not done. There are more descriptions. Notice with me Jeremiah 51 and verse 7. Jeremiah 51 and verse 7. It says, Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken and the nations have drunken her wine. Therefore, the nations are mad. This phrase, Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand, carries the idea that the wealth of this nation is used to finance God's programs and God's assistance throughout the world. So let's think about this. Who sends out more Bibles around the world, America or Mexico? America. America. Who sends out more Bibles, America or Spain? America. Now think about this beyond just sending out Bibles. Where does everybody get their support from when they need assistance? America. God uses the wealth of this country to go ahead and support and finance and take care of people in other nations. So whatever country this is, it's kind of amazing that God uses this country to finance his projects around the world. Well, what else do we learn about this description of whatever this country is? Notice Jeremiah 51 and verse 13. Jeremiah 51 and verse 13. O thou that dwellest among many waters, abundant in treasures, thine end is come and the measure of thy covetousness. Notice this phrase, thou that dwellest among many waters. This phrase means that this nation is surrounded by water. Well, let's see if this applies to us. So what is to the east of us? The Atlantic Ocean. What is to the west of us? Good. What is to the south of us? Gulf of Mexico. What's to the north of us? Arctic Ocean. Good. Notice that we are surrounded by waters. This is one of the reasons why we've never been invaded because it is a long way to march or a long way to swim. It's one of the things that has protected us is that we are surrounded by waters. So whatever this country is, God uses this country to finance his projects around the world and it is surrounded by water. Pretty interesting to think about the description so far. Lotus in Jeremiah 51 and verse 53. Notice this phrase. This is very interesting. In Jeremiah 51 and verse 53, it says, Though Babylon should mount up to heaven, and though she should fortify the height of her strength, yet from me shall the spoilers come to her, saith the earth. This phrase, shall mount up to heaven, carries the idea that there, whatever this country is, it has a defense system that's up in the heavens. This is kind of interesting. Currently, the United States has a missile defense system that's in place to combat any attack from nations. So if they fire a missile at us, we have missiles that are able to fire at those missiles to help protect us. In 1980s, the Strategic Defense Initiative, or called the Star Wars Initiative Program, began to be developed. Some of you who lived in the 80s remember this. This was a very big deal. The idea was, was to have satellites in orbit around the earth that could shoot down incoming missiles. They were later supposed to upgrade those to go ahead and so they could fire lasers to go ahead and protect them from this attack. The program was further advanced by the Space Development Agency in 2019 where they are currently still working on this initiative to protect the United States from any missile attack from space. So whatever country this is, God uses this country to finance his programs around the world. It's surrounded by water and Babylon in the heavens, it has a defense system in the sky. Now we can't say for sure what this country is, but its descriptions make us scratch our head a little bit. Well, it just so happens that this country is also further described in the book of Revelation. Now, we're going to come back to Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51, but turn with me, if you don't mind, to Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18, and we see a further description of a country that is identified as Babylon. Notice with me in Jeremiah, or sorry, Revelation 18. Revelation 18 in verse 7. I'll let you turn there. Revelation 18 and verse 7, the Bible says this. 
how she has glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. This idea of I sit a queen, it represents shows that this country is represented by a woman. This woman would be how the rest of the world identifies this country. So let's think. Is our country represented by a woman? Is there some type of symbol that is portrayed as a woman that the rest of the world looks for to see this liberty and freedom that we have? Indeed we do. In New York Harbor stands a Greek god, a lady, that all of the world looks forward to seeing when they come, this land of liberty. So whatever country this is, it is also represented by a woman. What else do we see here? In Revelation 18.7, where we saw before, it says how she had lived, uh, glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. This phrase that I am no widow and shall see no sorrow carries with it this poetical statement, carries the idea that the country has never lost a war on its soil. Now, of course, we did have the Civil War, which was a between ourselves. But other than that, we have never lost a war on our soil. We've never lost a war. Now, you could debate about other foreign wars, but those were not on our soil. We have never lost a war on our soil. That's a pretty powerful statement that whatever this country is, it has never lost a war for itself on its soil. So whatever this country is, it's represented by a woman. It is <laughs> not a widow, not lost a war upon its shores. What else do we see about this? Revelation 18:11. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her. No man buyeth her merchandise anymore. And the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all the fine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all metal vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and in marble and in cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and <coughs> and beast, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slave, and souls of men, and the fruits from thy soul lusted are departed from thee, and all the things which are dainty and goodly departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. And the merchants of these things, which were made rich by her, stood afar for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, which was clothed in fine in uh, fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and in pearls. What we see in this idea here from 11 to 16 is the merchants of the world sell their merchandise in this country. So whatever this country is, all of the merchants around the world sell it. And if this country was to be destroyed, they're going to be devastated. Oh no, what are we going to do now? How are we going to make a money? How are we going to sell things? Well, we know in our country there was a big deal about buy American because nothing in America is from America. Everything is from everywhere else. All the merchants of the world sell their stuff in America. So again, whatever this country is, it's very interesting that it's represented by a woman. It's not a widow. It means it hasn't lost a war at its shores. And the world sells their merchandise here. In addition, notice in Revelation 18.22, Revelation 18.22, and the voice of harpers and musicians and pipers and trumpeters. Now, this is very interesting. This carries the idea that this country was known for its unique music, that all the world wanted this music. The rest of the world desires and imitate American music. For example, when's the last time you bought an Italian music? When's the last time you bought something from Venezuela music? 
everyone wants that American music. Even the people in Russia listen to American music. That whatever this country is that's described here, it's known for its unique music that the rest of the world wants and imitates. So whatever this country is, it's represented by a woman. It's not a widow. It hasn't lost a war on the shores. The world sells its merchandise here and it's known for its music. Now here are 11 different descriptors that is given to a country. Now we will be honest and say we don't know what country this is. But it's kind of interesting, isn't it? To have these descriptions here. Notice in all of history, only a few country may have had two or three of these descriptions. But no country in all of history has ever fit all of these descriptions except for the United States. The United States is the only one that has fit all of this. Now, it may not be the United States. I will be honest. There will have to be some other country that comes up that has all of these descriptions. But as for now, it's very interesting that the United States carries this description. So what happens to Babylon? Let's see now Babylon destroyed. Babylon destroyed. Notice if you don't mind in Jeremiah, going back to Jeremiah chapter 50. Jeremiah chapter 50 and notice with me in verse 3. Jeremiah 50 and verse 3. Notice this description, Jeremiah 50 and verse 3. For out of the north. Now, whatever this country is, it is going to be destroyed. And it says, who is going to destroy it? It says, from out of the north cometh a nation against her, who shall make her land desolate, and none shall dwell therein. They shall remove and depart, both man and beast. The Bible states that a north country shall destroy the country that was described in the passage. So whatever country this is of Babylon, it's going to be destroyed by a country in the north. So if you take a map and take any point of the United States and go north and north and north, you come to one country every time. Now let's just think about it. We're here in Wisconsin. You go north and north and north. You come to Upper Peninsula. Not, they're not going to do anything to us. And keep going north above that, you'll come into Canada. Well, they're not going to do anything to us. So if you go north and north and north, you'll go across the Arctic Circle and keep going north, you'll come to one country, Russia. In fact, if you take any point in the United States, you will come to one country each and every time, Russia. Well, we also know that in the Bible, directions are centered around Jerusalem. So let's be biblical. So whatever this country is, it's going to be north of Jerusalem. So going north, guess what? You came to the same country, Russia. So whatever country this is, it's going to be destroyed by a country that is found in the north. Notice a further description of this in Jeremiah 50 and verse 2. Declare ye among the nations and publish and set up standard and publish that is not the correct passage. Good. <laughs> Hold on. At verse 9. Jeremiah 50 and verse 9. Jeremiah 50 and verse 9. For lo, I will raise and cause to come against Babylon an assembly of great nations from the north country. So this phrase carries the idea that this north country is actually going to be assembly of countries together. This assembly of great nations will be the Northern Confederation under Russia. We have already currently seen in present tense, Russia attempting to gather these countries again under her banner. Isn't that big news going on right now? Absolutely. All the political historians all say this is going to happen, that Russia is going to bring all of those nations back under her sway once again. So it is going to be an assembly of nations under Russia and the north country that is going to destroy this country of Babylon. So whatever country this is, the north country shall destroy it. The north country shall destroy it. 
Notice again, we see another description, Jeremiah 50 in verse 11. 51 in verse 11. Jeremiah 51 in verse 11, it says, make bright the arrows. So let's think, if you're going to launch an attack from one country to another, and it says, make bright the arrows, what kind of arrows can you launch from one country to another that's going to hit, that's going to be bright? Well, of course, they're using a language from their time frame to try to explain what they're seeing, but we do have something today that could be launched from one nation to another that will make bright, that are kind of like arrows that hit their target. So what kind of arrows can be launched from a country and to another country and be bright as they fly? ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles. When they launch, they're very much bright. And the Bible says they're going to hit their target. (laughs) By the way, this is an actual missile launch from one of our missile bases as we were doing a test. So this is an actual missile launch. So whatever this country is, it's a north country that will destroy it. It also says the arrows that are being launched are going to be bright. What else can we see for a description of how this country is going to be destroyed? Jeremiah 51 and verse 11. Jeremiah 51 and verse 11, the Bible says, Make bright the arrows, gather the shields, for the Lord hath raised... That is not correct. Forgive me, I am failing so much. Uh, Verse 9. We would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her and go everyone into his own country, for her judgment reacheth into heavens and is lifted up to the sky. So whatever country that this is, is going to be destroyed by bright arrows. And it says that her judgment is going to be lifted up to heaven and is going to reach even to the skies. So what is it that can destroy this country? Now, the distinctive trait of a nuclear detonation is a mushroom cloud. The Hiroshima cloud rose up to 60,000 feet in height, something that everyone around can clearly see. This detonation is very distinctive and reaches up into heaven. So whatever country this is that's destroyed, it's going to be destroyed by a north country. It is going to be destroyed by bright arrows and the judgment is going to reach up into heaven. Well, what other description do we have of this? Jeremiah 51 and verse 1. Jeremiah 51 and verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up against Babylon and against them that dwell in the midst of them that rise up against me a destroying wind. A destroying wind. Another distinctive feature of a nuclear bomb would be the destroying wind that rushes from that detonation site. The wind may exceed a thousand kilometers per hour, or for those of you who use real measurements, 500 or 754 miles per hour. By the way, that's a strong wind. This will be a destroying wind that will come and knock everything over and just destroy everything within its grasp. This destroying wind. So whatever this country is, it's destroyed by a country in the north country. It is going to be destroyed by bright arrows. The judgment is going to reach into heaven and it is going to be destroyed by a destroying wind. Well, what else can we find about this country being destroyed. We go to back to the book of Revelation in chapter number 18. Revelation in chapter 18. What else do we see about this country being destroyed? Jeremiah 18, and notice with me in verse 8. It says, Therefore her plague shall come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. It goes on in verse number 9. And the kings of the earth which committed fornication (coughs) and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament her for when they shall see the smoke of her burning. So here this description is that this country is going to be set on fire. It is going to burn. When a nuclear bomb is detonated, the center part can get up to 540,000 degrees 
Fahrenheit. That's quite hot, by the way. In fact, it is so hot, it is 300 times hotter than the temperature needed to cremate bodies. It will be destroyed by fire, a burning heat that will melt everything. So whatever country this is, it is also going to be destroyed by fire. Notice another thing that we sign about this destruction, Revelation 18.10. Standing afar off, speaking about these merchants, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, the great city, that mighty city, for in one hour that judgment has come. They are standing afar off and they see the danger of it. And they're saying, turn around, let's get back, stay away. We see this description again in Revelation 18.17. Revelation 18.17 for in one hour great riches have come to naught. Every shipmaster and all the company of the ships and the sailors. And as many as traded by sea stood afar off. They're staying away. They're not getting any closer. Why? Because after the bomb is detonated, nuclear fallout will require people to, who are far away to get further and stay away. According to the national, I forgot the actual website, the, the national website, uh, archives for nuclear detonation and fallout. This is their term. Fallout is the radioactive particles that fall to earth as a result of a nuclear explosion. It consists of weapon debris, fission products, and in the case of a ground birth, radiated soil. Fallout is the most dangerous in the first few hours after a detonation when it is giving off the highest levels of radiation. It takes time for the fallout to arrive back to ground level often more than 15 minutes for areas outside of the immediate blast damage zones. So what it is is that the fallout will fall and it will radiate and people have to get further and further away so they don't get hit by the fallout. Now as the fallout is carried out by wind and spreading out and causing radiation danger to everyone who's outside of that blast range. And so here we see that in Revelation where they're saying, get away, get away, stand afar off, stay away, stay away. We're in danger. So whatever this country is, it's going to be destroyed by fire. It is going to have people standing afar off because of the fallout danger. Notice another thing that we see. Revelation 18.10. Notice here it says, in one hour thy judgment has come. Notice again with me in verse 17. For in one hour. Notice again in Revelation 18.19. For in one hour. Three times in Revelation 18, it says this country is destroyed in one hour. One hour. That is pretty amazing that God has put a time frame on here. This whole country is going to be destroyed in one hour. Do you know that there is no place in America that is not within 15 minutes of a nuclear launch and detonation from Russia. Anywhere in America, from Florida to wherever, can be hit in within 15 minutes of a nuclear launch to detonation. Easily, the whole nation could be destroyed in one hour if they launched all their missiles. In one hour. Now, this is pretty sobering things. So whatever country this is, it's burned with fire. The people stood far off, presumably because of the fallout. And it is destroyed in one hour. So whatever this country is, the descriptions seem to fit America. And the destructions is very much within the capabilities of today's technology. This is pretty frightening. So we ask the question, why? Why would Babylon be destroyed? Why would God allow whatever this country is, and it is to my personal belief that it is America, why would God allow Babylon to be destroyed in one hour? What would be the reasonings? Why would God want to destroy us so badly? Well, let's see what the Bible has to say. Why does God destroy countries? If you don't mind, I'd like to show you the number one reason why God will destroy a nation. Ezekiel 22 gives us the reason. Turn with me to a different passage, the book of Ezekiel chapter 22. The book of Ezekiel chapter 22. Now, 
What I gave you before was my opinion. The things about Babylon, this is from my research, from what I believe to be correct. It is my opinion, and I will clearly state that. Now, let's go past my opinion, and let's see what the Bible has to say. Why is it that God would destroy a nation? Well, turn with me to Ezekiel 22, and let's find the answer out. Ezekiel 22, and notice with me in verse number 26. Ezekiel 22 and verse 26, notice this first phrase, her priest, her priest. In Ezekiel 22 and verse 26, it starts off with her priest. The idea of priest are those who represent the Lord to the people and are supposed to have a knowledge of God's word. Now, this is very big that the idea of a priest are those who represent the Lord to the people and are supposed to have a knowledge of God's word. Well, this, of course, would be people who claim to be Christians. Notice another thing here. I want you to look with me in your own Bibles. Ezekiel 22, 26. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things, and they have put, what's the next two words? No difference. No difference difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the clean and the unclean. So the idea of her priest or people who are supposed to represent God and have knowledge of God's word, they have showed no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they shown difference between the clean and the unclean. This is a very big deal. We understand there are three types of cultures that when we're dealing with the idea of right and wrong, there are three types of cultures. A moral culture is a culture that knows what's right and they do it. An immoral culture is a culture that knows what's right, but they choose to do wrong. But then there's a third time third type, and this is an amoral culture. This is a culture that can no longer tell the difference between right and wrong. And we are now living, (laughs) including Christians, in an amoral culture that we now live in a culture where people cannot tell the difference between right and wrong. A country is cooked when the culture who's supposed to know what's right, by the way, we as Christians should know what is right. But when we get to the place where you can't tell what's right and what's correct anymore, that nation is cooked. May I explain what I mean by this? A culture that mixes the holy and profane is an evidence of a culture that cannot tell the difference between right and wrong. Let's define our terms. So holy carries the idea of things that belong to God, things that are honored to God, things that are separated to God. The word profane carries with it the basic definition of things that are common, things that are worldly. And when we as Christians get to the place where we can't tell the difference between things that belong to God and are pleasing to God and things that are worldly, we're cooked. Let me give you an example. What's wrong with this? There's a lot of Christians who wear such things. They think it's cute. But you understand that if you can't tell what's wrong with this picture, it is evidence that you don't know the difference between the holy and profane. This is a big deal. This is why God destroys nations. This isn't a little thing. This is a very big deal that to be able to tell the difference between the holy and profane. And when we are mixing the two and we can't tell the difference between things that belong to God and things that belong to the world, we're cooked. The simple idea of profane is common things that is not set apart for God's use. It is dealing with the things of the world. Let's give some more examples. In 1993, an Air Force chaplain created a Bible study series called Blessed Are the Simpsons. They would watch an episode of The Simpsons, and I'm assuming that most of you in here have at least some cultural knowledge of what The Simpsons are. 
So they would watch an episode of The Simpsons and see what spiritual lessons they could learn from watching an episode of The Simpsons. People came in to see what Homer and the Bible had in common. By the way, this Air Force chaplain won awards for this series. And people came in in droves because this was such a wonderful thing. I meant, you know, you might enjoy Sunday school more if we watch TV shows rather than actually preach the Bible, right? But people, they love this type of stuff. It's better than getting preached to. It's better than learning the Bible. Let's just watch an episode of The Simpsons and see if we get any spiritual knowledge. In 2007, the gospel according to Star Wars, Faith, Hope, and the Force was released. So here, let's go ahead and take Star Wars and let's go ahead and learn spiritual truths from Star Wars. From the, this is the description of the book, by the way. The, from the force to the dark side, the issues discussed in the films have a moral and spiritual complexity that, if paid attention to, can help us to better understand our place in the world and our relation to others and to God. So we can learn to watch Star Wars and we can learn how to have a better relationship with the Lord? Is that how that works? You understand, this is put together by people calling themselves Christians. And when we get to the place where we can't tell the difference between what's good and bad anymore, between holy and profane, when we can no longer show, when people say this is a good idea, we're cooked. No wonder God says he's going to destroy this nation. Because we're at the place where we're so far away from biblical knowledge that the idea of worldly things is attractive to mix with the Lord. In recent days, people are attempting to teach Bible through memes. I know pastors who teach entire sermons based off memes through other pictures, clearly using secular and profane mediums to teach biblical ideas. By the way, you cannot effectively teach biblical truths off of memes. Memes are supposed to be a short idea to get something across. There's no way you're going to be able to get Bible knowledge from this, but yet people can't tell the difference. This is very common today. No wonder God says he fries nations when they can no longer tell the difference between the two. In fact, today we have Christian rock. We have Christian rap. We even have Christian pornography. We have fallen so far. And when Christians get involved with this and say, by the way, come watch my Christian pornography, we're cooked. There is no such thing, by the way, as Christian rock, Christian rap, or Christian pornography, but they show no difference between the holy and profane. We're cooked. No wonder God is upset. Notice back in Ezekiel, and I want to show you one of the most haunting statements in all of the word of God. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30 says, and I sought for a man. Notice this is in the singular. He says, I'm not looking for a bunch of people. I'm looking for a man, a person, a someone. I sought for a man among them that should take up the hedge, then stand in the gap before me in the land. God says, I'm looking for a person, someone to stand in the middle, someone to say, God, please don't destroy the land and go to the land and say, please live for the Lord. I'm looking for a person willing to stand the gap, someone to make a difference, someone to stand for the Lord. I'm looking for a man. And I sought for a man among them that should take up the hedge and stand before me in the land that I should not destroy it. But notice these haunting words. I sought for a man, but I found none. I found none. God was looking for a man a person to stand in the gap. Someone to say this is what's right. Someone to say this is what's wrong. Someone to go and pray to God and say, God, please don't destroy the land. Please bring revival. Please spare us. And someone to go to the people and say, please live for the Lord. Don't do this. Please stop. I looked for a man, but I found none. 
We come to this idea here. Is that God is looking for a man still. He's looking for a person. Someone to stand and say God please don't destroy my nation. God please spare my people. God please bring a revival. And someone to also go to the people and say, listen, we need to live for the Lord. You need to look for the Lord. You need to obey the Lord. You need to follow after him. Please let me help you. He's looking for someone to stand in the gap. Now, our nation, without a doubt, deserves to be cooked. Looking at it from God's perspective, we're a nation full of fools now. We're a nation full of people saying that we're God's people, but we don't live like it. We don't act like it. We don't smell like it. We don't taste like it. We don't even relate anything to it. We deserve to be cooked. What's the only thing to spare this? God is looking for a man, a woman, a person to stand in the gap. May I ask you this question? If the missiles that are coming to destroy America were placed based off of your prayer life, where would the missiles be at right now? When's the last time you prayed for our nation? You prayed for our nation to be spared. When's the last time you've spent one hour in prayer praying for our country? God is looking for a man, a person, someone to stand in the gap. Now, I don't know who it is, but I believe that God is working on someone in this room. Someone to say, I'll be that person. I'll volunteer. I'll surrender my life to you. And that's what we're asking today. Is there anyone who would be saying, Lord, I want to be that person. I will give my life to whatever you want me to do, Lord. I surrender it. Whatever you would have me to do. If you want me to be a missionary, I'll be a missionary. If you want me to be a pastor, I'll be a pastor. You want me to be a a pastor's wife, I'll be a pastor's wife. Lord, you want me to be a Sunday school teacher, I'll be a Sunday school teacher. Whatever I surrender, I'll be that person. I now give you my life. I'm willing to be that person. Now, I understand not everyone can or is willing to make that dedication. But is there a person, a someone Who'd be willing to say, I'm the man. I'd be that person. Be willing to go to God and say, God, I surrender myself. Whatever you want from me in my life, just use me. I want to be that person to stand in the gap. I want to be that person to be used of you. Please use me. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.